0: Welcome to Bandit's Keep. I'm Daniel. This is a between seasons episode, I guess. I'm not sure why I have seasons, to be honest with you, but I've made the commitment. So seasons are happening. And we are between seasons. So OSR October was really great. Lots of lots and lots and lots of great stuff coming out during OSR October. I uh I will continue to put that list in the show notes for at least for now until it starts to become too much, I guess. Jason over at Nerds RPG VarietyCast did send me a link to I believe it's a blog, so I'll add that as well. Of course, I don't have it open, so I can't say the name of it on the air, but I will add it. So check that out if you are into reading blogs. Speaking of Jason, we have some calls from Jason. Uh, One of them, Continuing My Quest, we'll put those at the end. Uh, If you have not been following, I'm on a quest. And, you know, Jason did a pretty good job of uh, basically summarizing in this call I haven't listened to the whole thing. I just listened to the beginning. Of what's happened so far? But if you want to go back to the beginning, I think it started about three episodes ago. Anyways, I wanted to talk about Claricon 2023. So I went to a con last weekend, and it was really, really fun. It was up in Toronto. Yeah, Toronto, in Canada. So I had to cross the border. The uh the Border guard uh, from that was in Canada uh, was very kind and uh, very interested in the con. Uh, the border guard that was greeted us as we came back into the United States was... This is a children's show, so I will... It's not a children's show. This show is not uh, explicit, so I won't say what they were. But, um, yeah. Hmm. Anyways, so that was fine. But I will say that uh, I took Todd from the Hexed Press YouTube channel with me and you know as protection because we're going into another country and we invaded Canada to a great crowd of people I don't know the final count but I would say 30 to 50 I'm gonna say I, I I hope I'm not undershooting it you know over the course of it was basically one day there was a little bit on Friday night there was like a greeting dinner which was very nice I was invited to the dinner and um dungeon minister who put it on father Aaron was again awesome put together this dinner and then they ran a game but I had just driven about eight hours so I watched a few first few minutes of it and then I left. Uh, Saturday was a long day for me. as I ran a game first at 9 a.m, I ran in search of King Arneson's minds with a few changes and it was great. So a couple changes I made, one of which I made on Friday night talking to Todd, was I've decided to make this adventure. So those people who are part of the adventurer level of my Patreon and have this already, you're going to get a revised edition of it. I'm essentially turning it into almost tournament style. And the reason for that is, it's, I mean, I said this the first time I ran it, it's nearly impossible in a convention time slot between three or four hours to actually finish this. In fact, the first time I ran it, They found the final destination right away and they still didn't actually get through. I think that's because we slacked off a little bit thinking, wow, they found it right away. We're not going (laughs) to, which was a mistake. And I think I also, that might've also been a three hour game. But anyways, this time they did not get, they did not find the final destination within the time period, but we had a great time. They went on some side quests. All the mechanics worked well. This game, if I haven't talked about it before, I may have talked about a little bit. Effectively, I use outdoor survival. I mark up. I have nine or ten, I should say, locations that are these little blocks that have letters written on the bottom. I shuffle them around the, the, the board, so I don't know what's what either. That way, I, I don't have to keep a poker face. And the goal of the group is to move through uncovering as many as possible, hopefully getting to the King Arneson's Mines dungeon itself, looting all the treasure, and there's a lot of treasure in there, or as much as they can carry anyways, and getting out. So going back to my my thought, I was talking to Todd about that, and I said, you know, maybe... It, I don't know if he said this or maybe I'll take credit for it. Who knows? Together, (laughs) we kind of decided maybe it'd be more satisfying if even if they can't complete the thing, they at least feel like they have some number that they reached, right? They did something. So I created a quick scoring method. I'm going to change it a little bit. I think my scoring was a little off. But And what's funny is I said that and we did all that Friday night, but then we finished the adventure and it was awesome and everybody was happy and walked away and I didn't tell them their score. So maybe they didn't care. (laughs) But I thought it'd be a fun way for me, anyways, to keep track of who's doing what. Basically, uncovering a location would give you points. Uncovering the actual Arneson's Mine would give you points. Delving in and getting treasure gives you points. Fighting monsters gives you, you know, stuff like that. So you can kind of choose what you want to do. The optimum thing to do would be to get to the, to the mine and clear it. That would be the, the the most points, but it's probably unlikely unless you get very lucky in a, in a short period of time, like I said. But even with that being said, I think it's really fun I think if you ran it as a kind of what we'll call a mini campaign, uh, you know, like three to four sessions maybe uh, around with your group, you could probably clear the whole thing if you really wanted to. And that would also be really fun. So uh, basically, I don't know if I described that very well, so (laughs) I will describe it quickly again. Outdoor survival, 10 cubes, unknown areas, the party travels to them, uncovers them. Some of them are like, Again, a little bit of a spoiler here. One's the mines, which is it's not really a mine per se. It's I got the name, you know, I'm riffing off King Solomon's mine, but the mines is basically a dungeon under the ruin of of Arneson City, and that's got the most treasure. Then there's a few other locations that are occupied by things like undead and monsters. There are some locations that are just empty. There are some locations that are occupied by, uh, you know patriarchs evil high priests and you know high level fighters so basically castles so it's it's a mix and you go in with a relatively large group but not a large enough group to necessarily let's say siege a castle but and and succeed Uh, but you you know who knows maybe you could form an alliance with one of the other towns I mean there's lots of different ways they can do it and as I said I thought my group did a really good job they they worked together I tried to Give everybody a job. So basically, you've got somebody rolling to see if they get lost. Somebody was moving the piece around. Somebody was rolling to see if there was an encounter. Somebody was the quartermaster, if you will, that was taking care of the uh, all the supplies. And the I think there was two other people. And I basically had if there was an encounter, I had one of them roll to see what the encounter was, and the other one rolled the second time to see what the encounter was. you know won the table and then won the monster. Because so that worked out. So everybody felt like they were being I think part of it. Seemed like it anyways. Uh, if they did not like it they did a good job in covering that up because it seemed like everybody had a great time then i basically hung out there was lots of stuff going on the i i wanted to jump in uh, john from tales of the manticore was there running some really interesting game it was they were drawing on this large sheet of paper with like little it was it seemed kind of story game-ish, i guess i don't know that cuz i didn't they did offer for me to participate but i was trying to not overdo it being somewhat tired still so most of the kind of middle part of the day i hung around i bought a bunch of games so there was a little swap meet if you will and i bought a bunch of used games so i'll talk about those at some point i don't have any out right now but lots of hex and chick war games Uh, many of them like not really in great shape so what i mean by that is well loved feels like whoever had these before me really played the heck out of them and i'm happy to do that i'd rather buy a game that's you know well first of all i'm cheap but, you know, that's been used. That way I don't feel like, oh, no, I can't punch this. So I was happy to uh, to buy some stuff. And I'm, I think some of the pro- proceeds go to the con, which is super nice. Then later on the day, there was a panel uh, where, that I was part of. And that's on the Dungeon Minister YouTube. So I will put a link to that if you want to watch the panel. I did show up a little bit late, but uh, I'm sure that they had an amazing conversation before I got there. <laughs> oh, also, uh, Mages Musings was the other uh, panel member. So uh, John from um, Tales of Manicor and Mages Musings. Again, I'll put links to these people. Really nice people that I had never met in person, and now I did. Awesome conversation about RPGs in general and just story versus game. and It was very cool. It was, it was an honor to be kind of on a panel. And it clearly is made by this almost 10 minutes I've been just jabbing on. <laughs> I like to talk. So that was super cool that we finished the panel. I think there might have been a really quick break after that. And then, boom, I went into my last game. And I got to tell you, I am an old man. And <laughs> starting a game at 8.30 at night when I had been up since 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I, it was, I was a little worried I wouldn't have the energy. But uh, we made it through. Felt like maybe some of the players and myself were getting a little tired at the end, but we played through till almost midnight. This was Guarding the Gates of Gax, formerly known as Goblin's Gate. And effectively, in this one, the party is doing a dungeon delve. They're, they're sent below this dungeon, oh, sorry, below this keep, to get some an artifact so they can use it against an approaching army because they only have a small amount of troops there. It's Both of these adventures, by the way, use the same characters and they're their high-level adventures, six... Between 4th and 7th level, I think. And and the reason why 4th is because there's a couple of halflings. And as we all know, halflings only go to 4th level in OD&D. But anyways, they did the dungeon delve. Really got to test the new fantasy combat nicely. I mean, I've been using it a bit, but with the modifications, it's so good. So good. I had a great time. It was, it was awesome watching them just like destroy mummies with a single hit and stuff like that. Very, very cool. Very cool. They did that. They got down, they, once again, again, somewhat spoils for this, there's a massive monster at the bottom of this, and I've yet to, this is, I think this might be the fourth time I've run it, I don't think anybody's had to fight the monster. So if you are in this game in Garycon, fight the monster. No, I'm just kidding. If you can get around it, you know, do it. So everybody's figured out their own way to uh, procure the artifact without actually having to, to kill. I shouldn't say they haven't fought the monster, they haven't killed the monster. So, very cool. Then they kind of come up, and based on how long they took, I have been keeping track, of course, that tells me how many enemy troops are on the board and how far they are from the end, from their edge. They're trying to take the keep that the the player characters are protecting. Four of the player characters, or in this case three, because it was only three spellcasters, get to be elementals on the battlefield of Chainmail, which is awesome. And the other two, who are fighters, each control fifty medium horse. I can't remember the exact number. I probably should have maybe looked at it, but I want to say somewhere in the vicinity of five hundred to eight hundred enemies. Maybe that seems about right. Yeah, I think so. There were a mixture of orcs, goblins who didn't get to do much. Uh, there was some ogres who also, in the scheme of things, didn't actually get very far. There were a few giants, which were a bit you know, could be devastating. There was one giant. But most of all, devastating this time was the wizard. Uh, in the past, I've kept the wizard in the back, but I decided to let the wizard use their ability to turn invisible and move around. And man, is that powerful. So it was close, but the party won by default because, because basically what happened was the, the win condition for the enemy was to get X number of troops into the citadel before X number of turns. And because of the party you know, slowing them down and stuff... I just looked at the measurement, and I said, even if nobody stopped them and they went full blast, they couldn't get enough troops into the Citadel. So we ended it after eight turns with the party being victorious. So that was pretty awesome. It's always fun when the player characters win, of course, but it's always fun when everybody gets to jump in and play different systems. So I like the idea. Uh, On some level, I want to try to involve, in King Arsene's minds, a way to have some kind of mini-troop combat. I just don't think that there's enough time in a four-hour session to involve all that because that would be the full monte, as they say, right? Well, I guess the full Monty is something else, but you know what I'm saying, where effectively if they could do outdoor survival, chainmail battle, and a dungeon crawl. But I I think that's a lot to fit into one, so I guess one of them you get a dungeon crawl and a chainmail. The other one you get outdoor survival and a dungeon crawl. So I thought they went really well. Again, highly recommended. I believe that Father Iron is going to do it again next year. It was in a really, really cute town. Uh, the the only downside to the town was that the coffee place down the street, 500 meters down the street, I had to keep talking meters when I was in Canada, uh, they didn't open until 9 a.m. And being from New York, where you can get coffee anywhere, 24-7, it's weird when I travel places where coffee is not readily available. I would like to know if coffee is available where you live pretty much all the time. I mean, I live, because I, I don't live in New York City anymore. My studio is there, but I, my my house is north of it. So I live in kind of a small town, and I can get coffee 24 hours a day. I mean, not just in my house. Maybe it's just a New York thing, but I drink a lot of coffee, and you know what? Nine o'clock is unacceptable. The same thing happened to me at ShireCon, so maybe this is just a New York thing. But I will say the coffee was absolutely delicious, and the they did little fun things like put little moose and stuff inside the, cre- the 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 foam if you got like a cappuccino which i was impressed by it was very very cool so yeah all in all super cute town we went to like a little pub to for lunch i had fish and chips very good everybody was very very nice all the games were fun there was a lot of osr games so i will say right now that if you are somewhere that you, know, you can get within a day's drive or I'd say or so of this con, I would go next year if you love OSR games or want to play more of them. There are people there who had barely played any and wanted to learn, and that was awesome. I, I forget now Todd played in the game, and I, I the name is slipping me as who ran it for them, but they were running a Veiled Society, which is a pretty famous Beck Me module. As I mentioned, uh, Father Aaron, the Dungeon Minister ran multiple Beck Me sessions. There was Morkborg. Somebody ran a variation of the Deathbringer game, which is uh, the game made by um I don't know, Dungeon Dungeon Craft, a professional dungeon master from Dungeon Craft. What else was there? Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Tales from the Manticore, John put ran this really interesting game that he had like this giant sheet of uh paper. It reminded me of when I was in art school. Like those big sheet if you went to art school, these big sheets of like newsprint paper and they had like different color magic markers and they were drawing landscapes on it and it looked like possibly doing math on there. I couldn't really 100% tell. But anyways, it was very cool looking. And I was like, oh, yeah, that would have been fun to get involved in. But, you know, can't play everything. Maybe next year I will play a game instead of running two. I think I'm glad that I did not play only in the sense that what I got, I drove back Sunday, which, again, except for the, the border agent being kind of not very the nicest person in the world, will say, they the day was smooth. We drove back, and I was beat. I mean, 16 hours of driving in three days is a lot for me these days. So there you go. That's what happened. So anyways, like I said, we got some calls. That was a longer episode than I thought it was going to be already. I have made, I know I said like, I don't know, maybe half a dozen episodes ago, I said I was done. I keep making minor tweaks to the game, and now there are minor tweaks that are doing major changes. So I will come back again with some kind of changes at some point. But if you are interested in Unchained, Fantasy, which of course is my chainmail slash od hack that you can kind of, you know, bolt on to original Dungeons & Dragons. That is still available. There is a link to it in the show notes. And uh, yeah, let's get some calls from Jason. Oh, before Jason's calls, I quickly looked at the Discord so I could get his call. And I see that the blog that he was talking about is called Slackerus. So the I will put a link. So Slackerus has a a blog about OSR October, which I actually need to check out because Jason sent me the link and I haven't looked at it yet. So, but check it out. OSR October 2023, a success.
1: Hey, Daniel. Jason here, just calling about your latest Gorilla podcast. It's about the third time I've recorded this because I'm driving to work and I keep yawning. <laughs> um, as far as getting things off your phone, on the computer, next time we get together online, maybe I can do a screen share and, and try to show you what I do. It's a pain in the butt because Spotify has changed the website, so if you haven't actually published the episode, it's nigh impossible to get to the audio to fiddle with it. But th- there are some tricks you can do, so I'll, I'll show you that. Or I'll show you what I do. Uh, as far as Unchained, I like having Magic Armor making it, you know, decreasing the the attack class of the attacker, and and I don't have a, a good answer for you as far as Lightfoot what to do with that bottom end of the spectrum, but I have faith you'll figure it out, and removing horse probably makes sense, let's be honest.
2: Um,
1: Now, as far as, um, oh, seasons, that was the other thing you asked about. I don't do seasons, so I can't help you much on that. I just keep number my episodes as I go. Anyhow, great episode. I will talk to you soon. I look forward to your next season and what you decide to concentrate on. Hey, Daniel. Really enjoyed your How to Be a Better Player video. I thought it was some great advice, and I'm going to definitely point it out my next podcast. Well, the next podcast I record after sending you this message, so it might be a podcast down the road. But, but, yeah, I thought it was really good advice. Thank you for throwing that up there. I think we need more videos in podcast. I think we need more content geared towards players as opposed to all the content we have geared towards GMs. So great job helping make that happen.
0: Thanks, Jason. That was, of course, Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I will put a link in the show notes. I appreciate the offer to help with getting the stuff off my phone. I guess I don't mind guerrilla podcasting, if need be, direct from the phone. It doesn't sound that bad, actually. It's just that if I goof up, it's harder for me to cut it out. (laughs) I guess that keeps me honest. And so far as the light foot, well, it's already been tested now a little bit. I don't remember if I mentioned this last time, but I think I'm just going to make them lose one die, not one point off each die. because that would make it, you know, they'd almost never hit anything. So I think what's going to happen is, for instance, let's say that you had you were, I don't know, let's say your first level and you have a, but uh, you're wearing magic armor, magic plate and light foot are three, uh, one die per three. And there's three light foot there. They would normally roll one die, but because they're losing a die, you're literally invulnerable to them. It would take six of them to even have a chance to hit you. And at that case, they'd only roll one die. So it makes magic item incredibly powerful, but I think that's okay. Again, I don't have a problem with the power level of the game. In fact, as I keep pushing into this, it's becoming more and more evident that once you pass a certain level in this game, and and if you're playing, and again, this is the thing. The way I'm doing it now, the game is OD&D with this bolted on. So because I'm using od system of how like how much treasure is out there and this and that, then that's kind of why this is happening. I think that what I'll have to do is either one, which is probably the case, accept that and just say this is going to be a, you know, a heroic game. You know, people are once you get some magic armor on you, you're going to be pretty amazing or have magic items become even more rare than they typically are because they're actually not that rare in OD&D once you get past about third level or so because even even in the dungeon treasure it becomes more and more common you know I'm doing my mega dungeon and you'd be surprised how much unguarded magical treasures out there you know if you have enough rooms that you're going to find stuff so I think that in general I'm going to leave it that way and Lightfoot's just going to be minus one die and we'll go from there I mean so far that's working that's what I'm going to do and so far as the players, yes, I agree. I don't think there's enough videos. I remember when I first got back into playing, I did find a lot of videos on, or I should say four players. It was They were for fifth edition, though. And those videos were primarily how to make different builds of characters. And I think that isn't as useful for people playing, let's say, lighter games that don't have the builds. And it's also not useful for people that aren't playing exactly the game. So if I make a how to build a great character for call of cthulhu that's a very specific thing right how to make a great character for pathfinder that's awesome how to do feet trees and everything else that you did in path the original pathfinder but that doesn't help somebody who wants to play bx or well it wouldn't help somebody who wants to play 5e actually so i think that's where i was aiming at it's kind of like more general tips which is what i did in my series too where i said you know generic dungeon master advice whatever i called it so I'll see if I can come up with some more stuff. I like making videos for players. I would love to hear from people about what they think are good tips. Like if you're a dungeon master or you're a player, what, what makes it awesome for you at the table? You know, what do you love when a player that you're playing with does? And maybe what don't you like? And, you know, I can spin that. I won't, I don't, I shouldn't swear I'll ever do anything, but I, my general tendency is not to make videos that are negative. So I wouldn't say... You know, I wouldn't make a video, bad habits of players. These are bad things players do. But if if you came and said, hey, I don't like when players do this, I think we could spin that into, hey, this is how you can be a better player by doing this, which is the opposite. That's kind of my philosophy in life in general. So that kind of went sideways. But <laughs> I have one more call from Jason. It is part of the adventure that he's been running for me over this podcast. So if you're interested in that, stick around. If it doesn't interest you, then go ahead and go into the show notes Find the links I'm going to put down there to the various people taking part in OSR October. Check out the Dungeon Musings and the Dungeon Minister and Hexed Press. I'll put links to all three of those fine creators in the... Oh, and of course, Yeah, I'd be surprised if you're not already following Tales Manicore, Manicor, but I'll put Tales Manicore down there as well. And uh, yeah, check them out. Also down there, you're going to find a link to my Discord server. Go ahead and join up over there. And that's also one of the best ways to reach out to me. If you want to record a voicemail or send me a message on Discord, that's a good way to do it. If you are not discordant or anti-discordant, I don't know if people don't like Discord. I know that every platform that's out there, there's some people that just don't like it. So if that's not your jam, you could always send me an email. My email is down there as well. You could try to go through the, the Spotify thing, and some people have done that. But if you don't have an account, it's more difficult. So, if that that might be the final uh, <laughs> the, the the final way to do it, if you have the access there, Spotify account, Discord, or send me an email. In any case, could be text, could be voice, could be a song, could be video, but nobody will really see it but me. So, you know, if if you want to take the time to do that, that's also fine. In any case, let's get back to my adventure,
2: Daniel. As you may remember, you had entered the cave and when you turned around, the cave mouth was no longer there. The interior of this cave seems to change as you move, and so there's no use in even trying to make a map. As you followed the twists and turns, you came to a T intersection. To the left, you heard a roar and silence to the right. You decided to turn to the right. For some reason, the light always seems to be brighter every time you turn right. Is that how this dungeon was created? Maybe always turning right means you're on the right way to your goal. Maybe not. Soon you see something ahead. What is it? Oops. Dice roll off the table. Something walks your way. From the darkness emerges a body. You cannot see clearly at first. The light is dim. But you are prepared for a fight just in case. But you also know that the Underground does have some interesting people, as merchants and other adventurers, and maybe, just maybe, this person or thing might know something about your own quest. Let's find out. Dang nabbit. I keep rolling off the table. You meet a sorcerer. All magicians are not dangerous, but most are, especially down here in the dungeons The magic curls around his hands and arms as shiny snakes. You can choose to escape. Or you can choose to try to talk to the wizard. Or you can try to fight the wizard. Would you like to run from the wizard? Reason with the wizard? Or fight the wizard? I'll be back when I hear your answer. All right,
0: well... We've got a wizard here. I don't think I want to try to fight the wizard because I don't think I'm ready for that yet. I'm going to need some kind of magic sword or something. And I don't have any friends yet. It would be in this dungeon. It would be nice to have a friend. So I think we're going to try to talk to the wizard. I choose let's reason with the wizard and see if we can make friends. Thanks everyone for listening. You'll find out next time, I guess, if I made the right decision. I'll talk to you soon.